Before we start today's show, have you checked out the dogbookcompany.com? Chic, timeless, and the ideal gift for any dog owner, the Dog Book Company has a range of stylish notebooks and coffee table books that are simply adorable. And because we love dogs as much as you, we give back $1 from every sale to dog charities. Shop now at thedogbookcompany.com and get free shipping on US and Australian orders. Now you can enjoy the show. Welcome to The Dog Show, a podcast for dog mums and dads who like to spoil their pups and care for their well-being. I'm your host, Will Blunt, and every week I interview global experts about dog health, nutrition, behaviour, trends, and much more. Let's sink our teeth into this week's episode. This episode of The Dog Show features Belinda Richards. Belinda is the founder of Frog Dog Studios, a luxury pet photography studio based in Melbourne, Australia. Belinda was recognised as the Pet Photographer of the Year by the Australian Institute of Professional Photography in 2019, and her thriving Instagram community would agree. In the interview, we discuss why dog owners invest in professional pet photography and how Belinda turns a photo shoot into a fun and memorable experience for your dog. Belinda, welcome to the dog show today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yes, like I'm really excited to have a chat to you today. I mean, just to, for starters, the name of your photography studio, Frog Dog Studios, is really really resonates with me. I'm a French bulldog owner myself, so immediately, you know, attracted to that name. Uh, we often call our our Frenchie a frog dog as well. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, the, the name definitely came from my French bulldog. She's a um, little smushy. She uh, came along. Oh, about five years ago now, um, we adopted her and, yeah, she was sort of the inspiration behind um, the logo and the, the name and everything like that. Obviously, Frenchies are known as frog dogs. Sitting, they sit like frogs yeah. all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They look like all sorts of different animals at different in different angles, I think. They do. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, she gets wombat occasionally as well. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so tell me a bit more about, so Smushy is your French bulldog and you also have another dog called Astro. What type of dog's Astro? Uh, he's a bull terrier. Okay. So Smushy, she's 10 this year, Astro's five. We got Smushy when she was four, so she's an ex breeding dog we rescued her about five years ago so yeah she she gets away with murder that one (laughs) (laughs) and I've got the bull terrier who is just a lovable goofball he's dumb as a post but he's beautiful and (laughs) full of love and um yeah I don't know what made me get a bull terrier he was a rescue as well so we didn't get him Mm. until he was two years old there was no real like, God, I've got to have a bull terrier, but I'm so glad that I did now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess as a French bulldog owner, I'm more intrigued to hear about the bull terrier. So, like, is there something about bull terriers which you weren't aware of before you got Astro or a unique thing about them that people may not know? So a lot of people don't know a lot about bull terriers anyway because they're not that popular anymore, especially in the southern states. I feel I think they're a lot more popular, say, in Queensland. They're used as hunting dogs and stuff like that. Not that Astro could hunt anything. I don't think he's, <laughs> he's a bit simple, that one. <laughs> so Astro, um, he's had about four homes before us because bull terriers are actually notoriously hard to – they're challenging. 
they're challenging to train, they're challenging to integrate into a family that already have pets. They're not always able to get along with other dogs. We were blessed with Astro. He came to us and walked in the house and he was just friends with everyone, including our cat. He never chased the cat. He was just best friends with her. He is, like I said, he's as dumb as a post. I can't train him to do anything. And I have been working with animals for 20 years. <laughs> uh, I know how to train dogs. And this guy, the only thing I've been able to train him to do is to sit. <laughs> he's so food motivated that you can't use treats to train him. He's not interested in toys. He's just, he's, he's an enigma. He really is. He's also pretty much about, he's probably about 90% deaf. So he doesn't respond to verbal commands very often unless you use a really high-pitched voice or, or if I use my mum voice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, but he has such a good nature. He is absolutely beautiful to have as part of our family. And, yeah, like I said, we've been blessed with him and he's so handsome. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess that's the main thing. As long as he's kind of, as you said, you know, if they're traditionally hard to adopt into a new family or anything like that. I mean, that's the main thing. As long as you're happy and he's happy and they get along oh, and everything absolutely. like that. We're blessed. I do a little bit of work with Bull Terrier rehoming groups and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they're just, when they do rehome Bull Terriers, generally their number one thing is that they need to be an only pet. They can't generally be small right. children or cats and or other dogs in the family because it's just too often that they just can't integrate into the the family but they, do they are, default to aggression is that what you're insinuating or they can do um with other animals with other dogs astro had a little okay. bit of food aggression when he first came to us we've managed to train that's one thing i have managed to train him out of it he's really good with that now but that has that took a long time a lot of patience he's never been aggressive for no reason at all it's only ever been over food territory but other i have other bull ter- i've seen a lot of other bull terriers default to aggression over jealousy and things like that because they're very people orientated so they love to be with their people they want to be on you they want to be with you 24 hours a day and when they're not if you're not able to give them that that's when they default to behaviors that are sort of unwanted behaviors I guess so um, whether it's destruction you know issues or uh, also anxiety issues bull terriers are very well known for um, chasing their tail biting the ends of their tails off because of anxiety, things like right. that. Yeah, so they they really need a, a really sort of, um, I feel like a, an experienced owner to sort of mm. be able to deal with those things and recognise them before they, they happen. Frenchies, on the other hand, can't reach their tails, so. No. <laughs> well, mine doesn't have one at all. She's She literally is a, a baldy at the back. She's got no tail at all. So. Well, it's, yeah, um, it's, it's a little nub, I guess. But <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't even have that. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and she's indestructible as well. She's... Um, do they get along okay? Would you leave them in the house together or things like that? Yeah, yes, and they're all fine together. They, you know, they're always in the house together. Squishy, um, being a French bulldog, she's got a lot of attitude. She wants to be the boss. She tolerates Astro. Astro loves Squishy. <laughs> he <laughs> loves everyone. He's a lover. <laughs> but Squishy's more of a um, knock it off kind of thing if he's walking around the house too much. And cause she and she's older, so she's a bit crankier as well. Mm. <laughs> um, she also doesn't like other dogs. Um, Astro loves other dogs. I should point okay. that out. He's really great with other dogs, whereas so she doesn't really like other dogs. She was sort of spent the first four years of her life in a um, 
crate sort of getting she's a show she was a show dog and a breeding dog so she didn't sort of get socialized a lot I guess mm. so and I think Frenchies sort of have that in them as well where they're a bit trying to refer you know at other dogs and be the boss and mm. be a bit more dominant sometimes as well so she's definitely got that in there she's the boss of the house <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm interested to hear a bit more before we jump in and start talking about pet photography, which is what we're on to talk about today, just quickly, so you've got two rescues and it's a common question I get from from listeners and other people that are looking to get dogs, the difference between you know, you know getting a puppy from a breeder kind of thing and, and getting a rescue, whether it's a young rescue or like you've, you've got like, you know, a three or four-year-old rescue. Did you find that getting a rescue at an older age was still an all right transition period or were there some unique challenges that you had with that? There's definitely unique challenges. Like I said, I've been working with animals for a really long time I'm in welfare. I've had dogs all my life. My last three dogs, two of them, I had some puppies. The third one was a rescue. So I sort of have a bit of experience in recognising that these dogs that do come from rescues are going to have different issues that need to be addressed. Obviously, one of them with Smushy is the fact that she wasn't socialised. She wasn't trained whatsoever. She didn't know how to sit because you don't train a show dog to sit because you want them to stand, all that sort of stuff. So there was those issues with Smushy and also that transition, obviously, from she's been in one environment for four years and then transitioning into a completely different environment with our family, it takes time. It does. It's not something that's just going to happen overnight. And, you know, it's, it's going to take a few months before they start to really trust you. And then you can start really working on your relationship and changing the behaviours and training them to do the things that you want to do and want them to do and to also get them to really integrate with your family and understand your routine as well. Astro, obviously, being a bigger dog and a different kind of breed as well, you've got to understand with bigger breeds, I guess you're going to have to be a little bit stricter because, I mean, if a Frenchie bites you, you're going to survive that. If a bull terrier attacks you, you could be in a lot of danger. So there's these sort of things that you need to be aware of when deciding what kind of breed to rescue. It's not a case of just going in and picking the first dog that needs a home you know you've got to understand what the kind of breed the dog is as well and see whether you can actually provide what it needs with astro i knew that i had the experience to be able to provide what he needed i knew that i was going to be getting a dog that uh, <laughs> was going to be very stubborn probably untrainable I knew, I knew he had aggression issues with his food i knew that i was going to have to keep them separate when feeding them things like that And I knew there was a possibility that he might not fit in, even though he had been with other animals previously in his history, there was a chance that he might not fit in and I was going to have to work really hard with him. Luckily, in the end, that didn't, he he was just great. He was just an enigma, really. (laughs) But yeah, you do, you do need to, there are issues, but you know what, when you get a puppy, there's issues as well. Puppies, they come from their being with their siblings and their mum and they cry all night and they get anxious and they wee on the floor and they destroy things and, you know, (laughs) the training thing, you've got to put that effort in as well. So Mm. it's just slightly different, I think, from having a puppy to having a rescue just and knowing sort of what you're going to be dealing with. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's it's not an easy task having a new dog regardless of where they've come from, what age they are. I mean, you need to have just... discipline and everything with the way that you train them and look after them and as you said i think especially well maybe when it comes to shelters having that experience does certainly help 
and having a bit a little bit more confidence in the way that you've you know you're dealing with dogs is definitely going to help like it has in your case I think yeah absolutely um, I think if I had have gotten a dog like Astro as my first dog either from a puppy or as a rescue I would have been in a lot of trouble I wouldn't have been able to give the dog what the dog deserves so sort of doing your research and understanding before you jump into something is really vital whether you're getting a puppy or a rescue you know it's easy to sort of look at rescues and go oh my god he needs a home I can provide a home but can are you the right person to provide that home for that particular dog I think is the question you've got to ask yourself rather than just jumping in it's about asking those questions as well isn't it like it's doing your research enough to know like what questions you should be asking if you're yeah. getting a rescue or, you know, what specific breed you're getting, like what questions you need to know about their health or about their tendencies, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. All those questions are really important to know and speaking to experts or other people that have had the dogs or, you know, vets and that kind of stuff yeah. is going to be really helpful. And I think just just coming from the fact that I've actually worked in a, in a major shelter mm-hmm. down here as well, just that, some advice I would give people is don't rely on the staff at the shelter to know everything about that dog. The shelter staff are wonderful and they're doing the best they can, but they do only get to spend so much time with that dog and they're not always experienced with all of the different breeds. They may not know the tendencies of a bull terrier in comparison to a German shepherd, do you know what I mean? They do have different personality traits that you'll need to deal with, things like that. So do that research before committing to taking that dog home. Ask people who own those kind of dogs, what should I be looking for? What's going on here, you know? that sort of thing. Helpful advice. Okay, so how did you go from animal welfare and, you know, you worked in emergency services and other things in the pet industry? How did you get to pet photography? So um, I turned 30 uh, about 10 years ago. I decided to go back to uni and study art. Um, I'd been working with animals for quite a while. So I was getting a little bit fatigued working in the welfare industry I've got a bad back from working with animals as well now, so it was physically starting to become hard for me to continue doing the job that I was doing. So I went back to to uni and I did a diploma in photography and then a fine art degree, and my intention wasn't to actually work with animals again in that capacity full-time. But I, after uni I went back to welfare work. I was working for a local council as a ranger, for a couple of years there just to get back on track after, you know, racking up some nice hex debts. And uh, (laughs) then it was just like one day it just hit me. I'm doing this photography. I love photography and I love animals and let's put the two of them together. And that's pretty much what I did. It just sort of naturally came together. Um, I was fighting working with animals and I was, because of my experiences working in welfare and working in emergency services, you know, you see some awful things and it emotionally takes a toll on you. It's like, but I won't have to deal with that kind of stuff if I'm taking photos of them. I'm doing the happy stuff now. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's when I started up Frog Dog Studios and got our studio and hit the ground running and been at it now for nearly four years, I think. Yeah, 2016 I started, so, yeah. Well, you definitely took the right path based on, well, I mean, just my <laughs> simplistic view of like the beautiful photos that you take, but also you've been recognised as the, the pet photographer of the year in 2019, right? Yes, very lucky. <laughs> so I think I think you chose the right path <laughs> based yeah, on that. Yeah, it seems like, um, you know, sometimes life just happens for you and I think it was 
just, I don't, I don't know what it was. It was like some sort of intervention. I'm not, you know, it's just <laughs> fate, something happened and yeah. And I just have run with it and been um, very well recognized for it since, which is wonderful. So in my mind, I kind of dog photos and animal photos. It's like, you know, amateur on your iPhone that you're taking for like, you know, self, selfies or Instagram. And then there's probably like, you know, you're taking more, you know, not professional shots, but someone that's maybe a hobbyist, that yeah. kind of level of photography. Then you might have professional photographers that are taking photos, you know, out and about like in someone's house or, at, you know, at a park or something like that. But what where you're at is like even like probably the top level in terms of portraits of dogs and animals because you're taking all of your photos in a studio. So what is it that makes someone want to get, invest in that style of professional photography for their dog? I think what we've tried to do right from the beginning is because I come from an, that art background as well. It's not particularly photography based. Um, it's kind of hard to explain. There's, there's photographers who know how to take photos technically really well, wonderfully, but then there's a fine art, having a fine art background and looking at, you know, creating artwork for people's walls. That's what we try to do here. We don't sell digital files and things like that. We want you to have a beautiful piece of artwork on your wall that's going to last for the rest of your life. We want to create something bespoke and personalised and to really show that your your pet, your baby, because the biggest fault that our animals have is that they don't live as long as we do. And to not have those memories is such a shame. I mean, one of the th re things that I realised when I um, decided to do Frog Dog, right, so I we had to move house because we've got the studio in at the front of the house, the shop front and everything. So we were moving, we were packing everything up and I came across a whole bunch of photos of my dogs that I'd had when I was in my early 20s. And that, unfortunately those dogs, they're not with us anymore. But these photos, all I had was a, a, a stack of photos that had been taken on one of those disposable cameras, um, you know, the old film days. And, I mean, we didn't have mobile phones then that was taking photos. We didn't, I didn't have anything. That was all I had. Those are the only memories that I have that I can go back to now. So it sort of made me realise how important it is to actually take a moment and create those memories, whether you're looking at doing something that's got to hang on your wall forever or at least creating your own memories with your phone and creating them into a book. Print the photos. Your phones go all, they get thrown away, do you know what I mean? And so do your memories. So print your photos, if, even if it's in one of those, you know, cheap old snapfish books or something like that. So, I think it's a good reminder. Um, I certainly fall into the trap and I have. it's been a progression. I think when I was, you know, maybe 10 years or so, I used to really value photos and I'd take photos and I'd get them printed and put them in books or, or photo books and things like that, not just of yeah. of you know, my dog, but um, in general. And these days it's almost like they've, like because people take so many photos on their phones, it's almost like they've lost their value in a way that people yeah. don't print them as much. Yeah. But now I feel, you know, when you do have photos printed, it's it's even more memorable. And that's one thing, as mm. you said, like dogs, dogs aren't going to live as long as us. So having, you know, an immortalized version of them, you know, on your wall or something at home, especially if it looks as beautiful as your photos, I mean, I love the way you and you can people if people are watching on YouTube they can see your backdrop. <laughs> that was the one thing I love loved about looking through a lot of your photos is um, or your case studies of other dogs that you've got on the website is like that tile effect that you create with the different expressions and I think it really shows off the dog's personality. Yeah, that's probably the most popular thing that clients gravitate towards here because we I do love to take beautiful stunning portraits of dogs but 
what do we love about our dogs? We love it when they do dumb things that make mm. us laugh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the cute faces, the goofy faces, stick a bit of peanut butter on your dog's nose. How fun is that? You know, so capturing <laughs> those silly moments is really important, as important to me as capturing a, a beautifully stunning photo, which your dog doesn't always look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. We want it. We want no. it. <laughs> we want to get the. We want to get them as they're. As they, you know, as they are, I guess, yeah. Well, that's true. And I think one thing I notice is that no one knows your dog as well as you do, right? And they do certain things when you're with them at home that, you know, no one else gets exposed to. But if you can take that's photos right. where you're capturing some of those expressions and, and kind of holding on to those for a lot longer, it's it, it increases the memory levels of, you know, the way you remember your dog as well. It does. And I think that's where my experience with animals comes in. So I'm not just a photographer who takes photos of dogs. I'm a photographer who has 20 years worth of experience working with dogs in all different capacities from grooming them to welfare, to emergency services, council ranger, and now photography, you know what I mean? So it's just intuitive now that I can see what your dog's going to do before they even do it. And that helps me capture those moments. And I can communicate with the the animals in a really unique sort of way to sort of draw them out and make them feel comfortable as well. Well, actually, that's something I'm interested in. And you must have some sort of innate connection with the dogs and stuff that come into your studio. But what does that look like? If, you know, if, if you've if you've booked in for a session and are bringing in my dog in, how do you, are they in a room by themselves with you? How are you kind of getting the photos? Like, what does that all look like? So um, I always want the owners to stay for the session as well. The dogs are going to always feel more comfortable if their owners are there with them. I don't want you to leave them with me. It's a very hands-on. Sometimes I'll get owners involved. Sometimes they don't need to, but I am on the floor basically rolling around and I have all of these noisemakers and I have toys and treats and I speak gobbledygook and um, <laughs> one of the you know one of the things I say to my clients all the time is there's $25,000 for a photography degree and this is what I do with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's and I, I like the the owners get involved and have a good time. It's really a, just a celebration of their their pet at that time. And you know, you got many many tricks. My husband helps me as well. He um, acts as the handler, <laughs> so to speak. So um, we've got a really good good work flow now as well and yeah we just basically really enjoy what we do and I think it comes across and and the other thing you've got to have is patience as well you know patience of a saint when you're working with animals <laughs> absolutely so how long does a, a photo shoot usually last with a dog so generally most photo sessions are done in 45 minutes to an hour, but not all of that's spent shooting. You know, the first 10 minutes or so is just sitting down with the owners again. They've already been to me once before because they'll come for a consultation session with the animals first so that the animals can get used to the studio environment, get used to me and Tony. Um, we can talk about what their expectations are for the session, all that sort of stuff. So we already know each other before they come for the session. But we'll still sit down for 10 minutes, you know, have a coffee, let the dogs do their thing, get comfortable, that sort of thing, and before we even start shooting. And then, yeah, we'll do some silly stuff rolling around on the floor. We tend to we try to get the, the lovely shots first, the pose shots, you know, sit, stay, shake hands, all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, we'll start doing silly stuff like throwing balls and balloons and peanut butter. They, sometimes they'll bring their own toys with them if they've got favourite toys, we'll play with those. 
all sorts of different stuff. But, yeah, just have, just must... Sounds like a lot of fun, really. <laughs> it is. It is. Best job ever. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have it? Are there any like particular braids that you found harder to get the right shots or, or kind of get in the right mindset to, to take the photos? Not so much breeds. It's, it's dog personalities. Some dogs come in and they're chilled and they're like, yeah, no worries, just do whatever you want. We get the sleepy ones. They're the hardest probably, the sleepy ones, where you can't get them up to do much. You know, they're not really – they're not – playful dogs they're more sweet just want to lay around sort of limits to what you can do with them but I love the terrors absolutely love the ones that come in run around grab everything jump on the furniture because those are the ones that I'm going to get the most out of and that's what I love to see I love to see all that personality and when people are like oh my god my dog's never going to sit and I'm like that's fine it's like literally (laughs) a tenth of a second they have to be there for it's fine let them go (laughs) you know let them be dogs and I'll, I'll capture that so yeah and that's probably when you get all the, the funny expressions and stuff yeah. as well when they go mad. So, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing all that. Um, where can people find out more about Frog Dog Studios and, and all the cool stuff you're doing? Yeah, so um, obviously on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Frog Dog Studios. We've got our website, frogdogstudios.com.au. We've got a YouTube channel which we often put behind the scenes sort of stuff up as also from Dog Studios. <laughs> We're lucky <laughs> enough to get all the handles. <laughs> That's good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've got a personal website as well, BelindaRichards.com, if you want to see any of my more elaborate um, composite style works where I turn dogs into DJs and crazy <laughs> cool. things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I rec- highly recommend everyone checks out all of the photos and your style and when you are allowed to open back up your studio in September because you're down in Melbourne, <laughs> everyone will need to um, book in their sessions to, to get their dogs pho- photographed because it looks, I mean, it's as you said, it's a, an amazing long-lasting memory of, of your dog or your pet, which you just can't replace. Absolutely. Well, Belinda, thank you so much for coming on The Dog Show today. I've really enjoyed the chat to hear about all your dogs and all of your experience with, with photography, so I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.